You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good afternoon, good evening, great to see everybody. God bless you. How is everybody doing this evening? Y'all doing all right? Amen. Great to see you. God bless you. I hope you all got a cup on the way in. Uh, If you didn't get a cup, ushers, please give us a hand and make sure everybody has a cup. You're going to need this. Don't worry. I'm not asking everybody to take a test or anything like that. Don't don't get uh, worried about what's going on at church today. It's going to be fine, but you're going to need a cup in a little bit. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter number 2. John chapter number 2 as we continue a series entitled Relationship Goals. I don't know about you, but it seems like I see that hashtag nowadays more than I've ever seen it before. Relationship goals, especially maybe for those of you that are a little bit more uh, savvy with social media. Maybe you see that more than I do. Uh, I have a couple social media accounts, and my wife will take a picture. She's like, you want me to post it to your account? I was like, if you want to. <laughs> I don't care that much. I mean, I don't think, I think I have like 52 followers on there. I was like, nobody, nobody cares about my account or anything. Nobody's looking at my account being like, that's the type of account that I want. Nobody's, nobody's doing that. So I don't care that much. Uh, and no, that's not a slam on those of you who are really good at social media and you, you've got it all down. That's not a slam. But we, we, we're used to seeing the hashtag, uh, relationship goals and if you're that type of person that you look at what other people's relationship looks like at line online I want you to know it only looks good on the surface and you don't want a relationship that only looks good on the surface you want a truly successful relationship that's beyond just surface level uh, I got to travel with my wife, and we were traveling a little bit this past week for our 12th year wedding anniversary. We had planned the trip in 2019, but then last minute, my brother asked me to do his wedding on my anniversary date, and uh, much to uh, the chagrin of my wife, I agreed to that, and then COVID happened, so we didn't get to do the trip, so we finally did the trip last week, but we were doing one of these trips, and uh, we were with uh, a limited capacity, so we went up to this Mount Haleakala, it's a volcano, and you get to ride a bike down. I I thought this is going to be great. What can possibly go wrong at 10,000 feet elevation on a bicycle and we're going to top out at speeds of 30 miles per hour and we're going to take these really tight corners and other people at at, at 6 a.m. in the morning are going to be driving up sleepy-eyed. Nothing can go wrong. Of course, yes, things did happen. Things did go wrong. And uh, you'll have to ask my wife about what she did when a truck almost hit her. Just ask her about it, okay? I don't want to give it away. You talk to her. It's a great story. It's her story to tell. Uh, but just check with her. One of the things that was interesting was uh, not everybody who travels these days is married. And so we were traveling with another group that was doing this little tour. And it was neat. Well, not neat. I felt bad for the guy. The girl kept, they were obviously in a relationship. And the girl kept like, no, no, I want this picture just me. 
and just kept doing that over and over. I was like, hmm, that's interesting, you know, where it's uh, maybe a warning sign that the relationship is not doing so well when she does not want you in a lot of the pictures. We just, Jane and I just kind of looked, and we felt bad for the guy, you know. I was like, should I pray with him, give him counseling or something, you know. I think, I don't think we were doing relationship goals there, but what was interesting is that sometimes we base the success of a relationship off of what we can see on the surface. And oftentimes, that's not truly what's really happening. You can look at some of the couples that look the happiest, look like they've got it all together, and come to find out there could be some deep wounds. There can be some real struggles going on. And so we want to take a few weeks to really encourage marriages and relationships. And let me, on the outset, kind of go uh, maybe a little bit heavier of a tone, okay? Because I'm going to preach God's word. And when it comes to marriage and relationships, I'm going to clarify something. And this may offend you, and I'm not trying to intentionally offend you. But when I'm trying to encourage marriages, I am trying to encourage biological male and biological female in a one union together as God intended it. And that's not a slam against anybody else. That is not, but today we're coming into where there's so much confusion when you go to a series on marriage and there are people that'll have a totally different takeaway than what God's word actually says about marriages, okay? And I know some people want to get into it. Well, well, God doesn't say this. There's a couple things that God is very clear about. Marriage is one that he's very clear about. But yet, I'm concerned that there's so much in the church of confusion about this. And so when I'm trying to help marriages and relationships, I am talking about helping people that are trying to do it God's way. And that's where you're going to find God's help. And so at the outset, let me take a heavier tone because I'm very concerned that the church has kind of been intimidated by the subject. And now I'll meet Christians who are very not only just like it's okay, it should be accepted in the church, something that as you study Romans 1 is not accepted. And, and don't, don't think that, oh, well, God would be okay with it. This book was written a long time ago. No, no, God meant for a relationship between a husband and a wife, a biological male, biological female. That's what he meant. And, and that's not a slam. That's not to put down. That's just what God meant. And that's what's the best for a society. A society that follows God's principles will find that the society functions as God intends it to. There will be people today that will tell you, well, no, 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 we just need to open up our thinking, not be prudes. And you're seeing as our society is beginning to unravel because we have distanced ourselves from what God says. So I want to help the people who say, you know what, I want to have a relationship that reflects what God and his word has. Then this will be a help to you. And if you say, no, 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 I still see uh, uh, relations very broad, and I still see other things as accepted, then this may not help you. It may discourage you. And if you ever want to have a conversation, I would love to talk to you about it, because God is very clear about marriage, even though there's a lot of confusion about it today. And if you are thinking, well, well, marriage between heterosexual couples is at 50% divorce rate, that's, why, why don't we try some other things? Okay, that is true. Marriage is a 50-50 bet nowadays, sadly. But did you know it's so much higher in non-heterosexual couples? So much higher. You say, how much higher? Okay, for the LGBT community in females, it's 16% higher, or excuse me, 34% higher on top of the 50%. And for males, it's 16% on top of that 50%. 
So it's not like, oh, well, if I try something out that's out, outside of God's sphere, then, then it'll be fine. No. When you get outside of God's will, you don't have his blessing on that. Does that to say that God doesn't love everybody? No, God does love everybody. But in his love, he lays out a plan how that you can thrive, how your relationship can thrive. And so as I talk today, I want to be very clear because I'm very concerned for this next generation that they're growing up in churches that won't ever clarify what the church's stance on marriage is. And I'm just clarifying it for you, okay? So when I talk about marriage, I'm talking about a husband and a wife, one husband, one wife, one lifetime. That is God's ideal plan, all right? So now we've kind of gone through some heavy stuff. I hope you have your Bible to John chapter number two. And what a perfect scripture. It's Jesus's first miracle. And what's his first miracle in relation to? A wedding. How awesome is that? As you open up the Bible, you come to John chapter number two, and it's all about a wedding. And I've told you, the Bible opens with a wedding. We are called the bride of Christ, and one day, the Bible and our story closes, it concludes with a wedding. At the, uh, it'll be the great feast where we're finally going to be in heaven. And that's how the Bible concludes. Everything in Scripture has to do with the wedding. And so there's, a, there's great symbolism. But notice if you would, John chapter number two. Let's look at 11 verses together. Verse number one. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Some of you would say, yep, that's a terrible, terrible problem to have. And they had no Bevmo. There was no uh, place to get it, no 7-Eleven. Verse four. Jesus said to her, woman, What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Here we have a wedding. And in that, at this wedding, we see empty cups and couples. You know, I gave everybody an empty cup. And I think this cup, an empty cup, is so fitting for a lot of relationships today. And the title of this message is simply this, From Running Low to Overflow. From running low to overflow. Here you have couples with empty cups. And so many times today, I see couples who are empty, but their cups are full to function. So many couples need something in their cup to function because the relationship, the marriage is empty. 
Oh, they put up a good show. They smile. When it's time to take a picture, they act like they love everybody. But then when the door is shut on the bedroom and when it's just the husband and wife, that's when things are difficult. That's when things are tense. And everybody in the home kind of knows that there's something that's just off. Something's not right. And I think this is the perfect picture of what the marriage landscape is today. Have you ever just asked yourself, why do some couples make it and some don't? And here we have, I love the story because Jesus, he's not raising the dead. Many people just think, well, it's just water into wine. No, he is saving a relationship before it's really even got started. I love the fact that Jesus cares about big things and little things, and he cares about your marriage, and he cares about my marriage. He cares about your relationship, and he cares about my relationship. Jesus cares. I hope that's a great reminder that Jesus wants your relationship to be an overflow. Do you want your relationship to just overflow with good things? I want a relationship that has just overflowing with joy. You may laugh at this, but whenever Jane and I have to travel, we fight. I don't know if any other couples are like that, but Jane and I, we fight about everything. We fight about what the rental car should be. We fight about where we're going to stay, where we're going to eat, what we're going to do. She loves activities. I like no activities. I was plumb wore out from activities. We got up at 6 a.m. on a normal and went to bed at 9 p.m., and that was our day, just constant. I was like, babe, I am wore out. She's like, isn't it great? And I was like, no, it's not. My body aches. I just want to relax, you know, and we would just fight. So before this trip, we had a talk. I said, babe, I'm tired of fighting on our vacation. I'm tired of that. So we're going to talk, all right? Let's plan everything out. And so we have to plan that we're not going to fight. We have to talk through how to make sure we're not going to fight. And then we kind of have like the code word, like, oh, oh, I feel it. We're about to fight. Okay, all right. So we, we, we have to like either throw food at one the other person or just let the other person sleep. You know, we just, we just because why we're normal people, that we're very different and we want to live out of the overflow and the reason we don't live out of the overflow, you know, you know what happens when you're not living out of the overflow? You're, you're easily moody. You're easily bothered. And then you start trying to control the other person because you think if I can control them, then guess what? I'll feel better. The only reason you get upset with your spouse, the only reason you get upset in your relationship is because you're lacking something. You're either lacking not enough intimacy, not enough one-on-one time, not enough conversation, not enough, hey, I just need to, to, to talk to you. There's something you're lacking. And so if your relationship is going to make it, you can't have an empty cup. If your relationship, if your marriage is going to thrive and survive, this cannot be empty. Your relationship cannot be empty. But how many relationships, they didn't make it because it was empty. Everybody got your cup? Everybody got your cup? Can you hold up your cup? I want you to do a really silly thing for me. I want you to try to pour into your neighbor's cup. Try to pour something in. Just go ahead and try to pour something in their cup. It's not, nothing's happening, right? Because you both have an empty cup. You can't give anything. And if your marriage, your relationship is empty, you, you got nothing to give. Hey, guess what? You all in this auditorium are generous. You want to give something, but it doesn't matter if you want to, if you don't have anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you love your wife, how much you love your husband. If this is empty, you got nothing to give. And you'll come home after a long 10-hour day, and you'll come home, and there's the kids are waiting. They need something. The spouse, they need something. Your house needs something done. There's either dishes, there's vacuuming. Your pet may need something. There might be something broken. There's something that needs something. And if this is already empty, you know, life is pretty miserable because everybody's just taking out of this. 
And eventually you say, I got no more to give. So what do you do? You just say, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. And then you go find a relationship where they have something and you take from them until they have nothing. And then you leave that relationship. You find another relationship you take from them. You see how it works today? See how we just hop from relationship taking, just taking, because why? Today's culture and relationship is, guess what? It doesn't work because we're just taking. Oh, oh, your body looks great right now. Uh, give it 10, 15 years or a child or two. It, it ain't gonna look like that. And oh, okay, you're used up. Let me go find somebody else's body who looks like this. Oh, your bank account, okay, looks pretty good. All right, give it a couple of years. It ain't gonna look like that. Give it a couple of kids, one kid, and the bank account ain't gonna look like that. These kids are expensive and you always have to feed them. It's amazing. You can't just like stop feeding them. And the bigger they get, the more they eat. It's crazy. And then you have to buy them clothes. You have to pay for their education. They is expensive. And they don't give back. People say, oh, children give back so much more than you get. Liars. Where are those kids? Have you seen my kids? People all, we were, on, we, were, we, were, we were in Maui and they were like, did you bring the kids? And I just gave them the look like I wanted to slap them. Like, are you, they didn't earn this. It's 12 hard years. I earned this. They have earned nothing. They're lucky that we take them to, uh, what's a little, a happy hollow with the little kids' playground and a little train. That's what they should be happy that I take them there. They should be happy I take them to Chick-fil-A because they got a playground in there. All right? So, so understand that relationship today, we want overflow. And you want an overflow relationship. You have to stop thinking like everybody else thinks. You have to change the mentality that, 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 I'm going to ask my wife to give me. Guess what? She doesn't have anything to give. You can't expect your husband to give. He's coming back empty. So we need to go to where we can get the overflow. And here's Jesus to the rescue. Amen. And Jesus shows up to a wedding. Now, here's what's crazy. Why was Jesus at a wedding? Isn't that a great question? Like, doesn't he have more important things to do than be at a wedding? And verse 2 gives us the answer. You know what the answer is? He was invited. Amazing! If your marriage, if your relationship's not working, you need to do what verse 2 says. Invite Jesus. Amen, amen. Highlight that circle. That, that was worth the price of admission. We can close the book and we can leave now. Thank you. Because that's all we need. You just need Jesus because Jesus shows up and he says, the cups are empty. Don't worry, I got you. I can take care of the cup. I can make sure that thing is full and overflowing, but write this down. You need to invite Jesus. The number one thing you need in your marriage, the number one thing you need in your relationship, the number one thing you need in your dating relationship, the number one thing you need in your engagement relationship, you need Jesus. Guess what? You need him more than you realize you need him. Every hour I need thee, the songwriter said. Every day we need Jesus. Wake up and say, Lord, today I need you. Tomorrow I need you. Guess what? I'm headed into a tense conversation with the woman I love, the woman that's born my children. I'm headed into an intense conversation with the man I love, the man I've spent all these years with, and I need your help right now. And you pray, and Jesus says, guess what? Let's take you from running low to overflow. Because when you have the overflow, all of a sudden, it's easy to give to your spouse. It's easy to give to your husband because you say, I got, I got plenty of emotional bandwidth. 
I got plenty of time for this. I've got plenty of margin for love because why? I've allowed myself to receive from Jesus. He's, he's come into my life and it's just like in John 4, out of our bellies you're full of rivers of living water. So I got plenty to give. I got plenty to give. As soon as I get home after a 10 hour day and the kids need help with homework, the dishes need to be done, the meal needs to be cooked, the kids also need a bath and the dog needs to be brushed, guess what I can do it and I can do it with a smile. I love my family, I love my kids, I love my dog, I love my house, and I'll gladly do it. And all of a sudden, the temperature of the whole house changes. Everything around you changes. The home turns into what's called a happy home, a blessed home, where the children say, man, you know what? Mom and dad, they figured this thing out. I don't have to go chase different girls. I don't have to chase different guys looking for somebody to fill my cup. I saw how mom and dad got their cups filled from Jesus, and then they kept pouring back into each other, and then they poured into us, guess what? I want that kind of a relationship. I want the type of relationship that they had, the relationship where they knew that they could open up God's word and God would speak to them, but it all starts with the fact that they started with Jesus. We need relationships where we've invited Jesus, where we've just said, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, would you help me? And I I tell couples all this, all, all the time, whenever I get to do a wedding, I tell, man, you're about to have a wedding, you invite all your friends, all your aunts and uncles, all your distant family, all your neighbors, invite them all. They say, but we don't have enough room and we don't want to have to feed them all. I said, they're not all coming. Invite them anyway because they're good for a $25 a Starbucks or a Target gift card, all right? They ain't gonna show up, but guess what? They will feel obligated to send you something and you're a broke couple, so invite everybody. I find it's amazing that we invite everybody to our weddings except Jesus nowadays. I can't tell you how many weddings I do, and they, and and I don't mean to be on the females in this room. I really don't mean to get on to you, but you planned so much for that day. You thought about the dress. You thought about the colors. You thought about the music. You thought about the menu, and you thought about all the people you're going to invite. The last person on your mind was Jesus. As a matter of fact, even having a pastor there is a formality, and so is your marriage. It's a formality because you didn't want Jesus in it. He's the rock upon which our marriage stands. And you are just doing it just because, well, we, my parents will be happy if the pastor's there, so we'll have the pastor do it. You know what? Do us all a favor and just go down to the courthouse and have a judge do it. Because you're not inviting Jesus in there. Let's not have all the pretense. If you're not serious about inviting Jesus, then guess what? Your relationship is already, it's already a 50-50. Now you want to do it without Jesus? I'll pray for you. It's not going to be easy. And we invite everybody. But here's what's also funny. Some of the people in the room, you're the type that you will get offended if somebody doesn't invite you to the party or the wedding or the gathering that you weren't going to go to anyway. You were about to tell them no anyway, but you get offended that they still didn't invite you. Jesus accepts everybody. Amen? He's just waiting for you to accept him. Jesus accepts everybody, but he's waiting for you to accept him, for you to invite him. And Jesus is saying, hey, invite me into that moment. Shakespeare said it best, God, the best maker of all marriages. I I believe that with the very fiber of my being that God can save your marriage. If your relationship right now is empty, if it needs a fill-up, if it needs to run overflow, then you need to come to God and you just say, Lord, I want to invite you. And here's what's great. Because they invited Jesus, something ignited. 
Jesus, of course, knew that they were going to run out of wine, but they didn't know that. Understand, in that day and age, a wedding was seven days long. The wedding that my wife and I had, it cost about $25,000. I cannot imagine $25,000 per day. Can you imagine that type of a bill? It would go on for seven days. So before we just think that these people are tightwads, before we just think they, they didn't plan, no, no, understand in that culture, towns were small. You would invite everybody, and for seven days, you were expected to feed the entire town, everybody. So this is not something that, and it said on the third day. So this party had been going on for three days, and there are some people who can drink like a fish at this party. And there are some people that are having a great time on somebody else's dime. And some of you are like, yeah, that's me, that's me. I love a good buffet. I love it when it's open bar. I love, you know, that, that might be you, and that's okay. But here at this wedding, all of a sudden, there's nothing. They've run out. And in that moment that they've run out, that's when Jesus steps in. You see, there is going to be a moment, and maybe you had the moment, or this moment's going to come this week, where both you and your wife are both going to be on empty at the exact same time. There's going to be a day where both of you who work at two separate companies, you're both going to get chewed out by a boss or a coworker. You're both going to get a nasty email. You're both going to get cut off in traffic. You're both are going to deal with the exact same children who picked that day to become demon-possessed. You're both going to deal with all that same stuff. You're both going to deal with the fact that you're on vacation and your husky decides to escape and your mother-in-law is not going to chase it. So you're calling up a church member saying, please, can you go spend the next four hours of your beautiful Sunday morning chasing down my husky? And that's, you're just like, I guess this is, this is life. And at that moment, you can say, oh, I can blame somebody. I can get mad at somebody. Or you say, Lord... This is empty right now. I need you to pour into it. And I love it because Jesus in that moment doesn't shun it. Because Jesus in that moment says nothing is too big, but also nothing is too small. Notice this, verse number three. Oh, I love this. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Verse four, Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. My first word was invite. My second word is involve. Here's what's interesting. Mary's not the mother of the bride or the mother of the groom. It's not Mary's wedding. Why is Mary saving the day? We all need a Mary in our marriage. You need somebody who says, you know what? I'm going to get involved. I know it's messy. I know you're going through something, but let me get involved. I love the fact that Mary just noticed there was a need. You need people that just notice things in your life. You need people that just notice that you got something in your teeth, that your shoes are untied, that, the, 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 that something's going on. You just need a Mary in your marriage, somebody who says, I'll get involved. You need those people. My wife is Filipino. There's some Filipinos here. We would, we would have these uh, people. They were called the uh, special group that we asked to be a part of our wedding. And we had eight couples. And we said these eight couples, we wanted their involvement in our marriage. And they were a part of the ceremony. And we invited them. They walked down the aisle. They were a part of everything. Because we said these are the couples we're going to reach out to when we're going through a difficult time. You see, it's not just enough just to invite Jesus. You need some people who say, hey, I'll get involved in this relationship. It's wise to get wise counsel. It's, it's a wise thing to say, I'm going to get some help here. Getting help is not a sign of weakness, but wisdom. Mary noticed. You see, having nothing is not an excuse for doing nothing. 
Mary had no skin in the game. There was no reason Mary needed to get involved. But I love the fact that she didn't use having nothing as an excuse for doing nothing. And I think some of us, it actually is our marriage. It actually is our relationship. And we're saying, well, that's, that's kind of her fault. Like we say things like this, because I've, I've said it too. I'm sorry that offended you. What are we doing? I'm actually saying, well, a normal person would not get offended, but you obviously are totally dysfunctional and you have real issues. And the problem is really you. You see how what a backhanded slap in the face that condiment is? But we do it all the time with not even thinking about it. We make the other person a problem. And yet it's our marriage. Hey, your marriage will work if you'll work on it. If you will put the time, your marriage, is, it's up to you guys. It's up to you. What do you want the relationship to be? Where do you want it to go? You're going to let life just kind of uh, turn, turn you about. Life is going to beat you up. So you have to have some plan. We say, you know, we've got God involved in this. But what do we want? And, and understand, my wife asked me this. She was like, do you love the islands? I said, no, I love you. It's not about the island. It's about that you love it. You could love the Mojave Desert, and I might still love it. That's probably a lie. But we met in the Mojave Desert, so it's probably not a lie. That's all right. So understand this. It's all about, hey, I want our marriage to work. I don't care where we are. Because I remember when we were broke in a one-bedroom apartment off of Bernal where we would eat cheese and crackers because we were so broke. And we had the best time sitting by the bed eating cheese and crackers, just talking. No TV, no internet. And I just look back at those days and I just think, man, we don't, why are we arguing that the speed of the internet is so slow and it's buffering during our show? Like, wow, first world problems. And I'm blaming you. Like, why aren't you paying more for faster internet? It's like, how about we talk to each other and really work on the relationship instead of watching Fargo and people's head being blown off? I mean, there's better things that we could be doing here. Hate that show, by the way. But understand, people are just, well, you need somebody that'll notice. But also, I love this. Mary was just nice. It was just nice of her to get involved. Mary, it's not her marriage, but she wants to save it. Hey, this is cheesy, but get some nice people involved in your relationship. This is why I encourage you to be a part of church. This is why I'm going to encourage you after the service, go sign up in a life group. You say, it's my first time here at church. Get involved in the life group. Hey, we just added a Spanish life group. If you feel more comfortable with Spanish, we've got uh, uh, Fernando and his wife. They're going to lead a great group. We've got a group for young adults. We've got a group for newly married. We've got a group for, for all different types. We've got groups. And if you don't see a group that you like, guess what? You could probably start the group. And you can lead it. And if there's food, I will be there. And we will have a great time. But understand, involve nice people. This is why I come to church where you can meet some nice people. But then also, I love this. Notice verse 4 and 5. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. I love how Mary would not take no for an answer. Jesus kind of shut Mary down a little bit, didn't she? He said, woman, what have I to do with you? And I love this because I'll do this too. I'll come home and I'll see a big pile of dishes and I'll ask Jane like, hey, hon, uh, you want me to wash the dishes? And I know she'll say no because she's a good woman. But I feel like I'm obligated to at least offer it. But I know she's going to say no. So I'm like, dodge the bullet, not doing dishes. Here's what's so dumb about that. You know there's a need. Why ask? Why not just do it? Like, is she going to stop me as I start washing the dishes without asking her? Oh, no, honey, stop, stop. Do, I, I don't want you doing that. No. She'd be like, it's about time that he saw the need and took the lead and did the dishes. But we do that in our homes. 
Oh, oh, babe, would you like a massage? Yes, she would like a massage. Why are you asking? Oh, babe, would you like me to, you know, like watch the kids so you just go out with just some you time? Why are you asking? You could score major points if you just said, hey, babe, I've scheduled everything. You need to leave and just have some your own time. She'll be like, wow, he's thinking about me. You don't need to ask. Mary's not asking. She didn't go to the bride and the groom and say, hey, we're almost out of wine. You know, our cups are empty. You know, do you mind if I ask Jesus? Jesus can do some really cool stuff. No, he doesn't just make great furniture. It's better than Ikea. He actually can do miracles, all right? No, that's not what she does. She sees the need and takes the lead in the relationship. And she does not accept no. Some of you, you know certain things to ask your spouse. You know that, oh, man, like, hey, babe, you want me to, uh, mow the lawn for you every week. You mow the lawn. You want me to do that? Of course he's going to say yes. People don't want to mow the lawn. They don't want to wash their cars. Of course. So just do it. And Mary's that type of a person. He said, this will make our relationship better. I'm just going to do it. I've been married to this, this woman for 12 years. I better have learned something that she likes. I've learned that she likes it when she goes to bed with a clean house. So guess what? At 6 o'clock when I get home, I help the kids. I clean up. I do all the dishes. I sweep the floor. I clean the house. The entire house is clean when she goes to bed because that's how she likes it. And because that's how she likes it, her mind is free and clear to do other things that I like to do. And so it's, it, the, it works out for me. So I have learned. It took me 12 years, but I have learned. But it's amazing how couples are just like, well, I just, you know, she should ask me and he should ask me. Come on. Do you not love that person? Do you not care about them? Think of a way to fill this thing up. Say, hey, I could do the dishes for you. I could take out the kids for you. I could do that for you. Mary would not take no for an answer. And I love this. Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? Like, and at first I thought, Jesus, this is very disrespectful. But you need to understand, Jesus is about to do a miracle here. And so Jesus was not disrespecting Mary. He was differentiating their relationship. You see, Jesus is going to save the marriage, but Jesus is not going to save the marriage as Mary's son, but as a savior. And you need to differentiate the way you approach Jesus. Because some of you, you want to treat Jesus like your son. Do that, fetch that, get me the remote, get me a drink. Jesus is not your genie in a jar. Jesus is the Lord, the King of kings. He's the one who died on a cross for us. Show a little respect. But yet, you and I, we treat Jesus like, come on, name it and claim it. I just need Jesus to just fix this whole thing. Just fix that woman. Just fix that man. Or just get me a man. Just get me a woman. Just kind of just, just do it. And Jesus is saying, no, Mary. I'm going to save this marriage. But I'm not going to do it as your son. I'm a savior. And I'm not just the savior in this moment. I'm the savior of the world. His last miracle will be raising somebody from the dead. This is his first miracle of turning water into wine. So Jesus doesn't care how big or how small, but you need to approach Jesus on a different level. Deal with him on a different level. You could apply this to your spouse. If you're getting frustrated in the relationship, deal with them on a different level. Sarcasm really has no place in the relationship because we can use sarcasm to really undercut and disrespect. Maybe try to deal with them on a different level. Maybe try to deal with them on a level that's just a little bit kinder, a little bit softer. I'm hard of hearing, so my wife's really great. I start talking too loud because I can't hear myself, and I like to talk. So she'll kind of just be like, hey, you're a little bit loud. Because I'm really loud, and I don't know I'm loud. And it actually worked out that I was kind of loud this week. I was kind of glad how it all worked out because I was loud. But most of the time, it can come across just rude. But she knows, like, hey, 
too loud. No, she doesn't do that. She's just kind of, hey, you're a little bit loud. You know, just dial it down. So we need to approach people in a way that just kind of works with them. But then notice this. So we've talked about, first of all, invite, involve. But then I love verse number five. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Isn't that amazing? Whatever he says. Jesus could have asked anything. That's kind of a, a talk about a faith-filled, daring, I trust Jesus, whatever he says, you do it, and they're going to do it. That's incredible. I'll underline that verse because that's the secret right there. Whatever Jesus says, saying to you tonight to do, do it to save your marriage. Whatever God is telling you to do in life, do it. In verse 6, now there were there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, contained 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Third word, invest. Third word's invest. You know, it, you got to understand, when you would walk into a wedding in those days, you would wash yourself because those dusty dirt roads, you would cleanse your feet. You would wash your face. You would wash your hands. We're all about social distancing and cleanliness. Well, they didn't have Purell, so they had these six water pots as you'd walk in the courtyard to go into the house, and you'd wash yourself. You'd clean everything out. There were six of those jars, so there's six of them filled with water that now, after all the guests have been there for a couple days, you want to be the first person at the party, let me tell you. You, you don't want... You know, this whole fashionably late thing, not at a uh, Jewish party. You know, you don't, you, otherwise, you know what that water's going to be like? No, no, I'll pass. I'll go with dirty feet. Because this water is filled with all kinds of junk. And they were told by Jesus to take that water and to pour it into the empty jars. And they said, okay, we're going to obey. But they didn't just say, I don't know what's happening here. This is nasty water pouring into these other waters. I don't know, I, I don't know what we're doing. They could have gone halfway, but I love that they went all the way. They said, if we're going to do it, we're going to go all the way. So it's one of those things. If you're, going to, if you're going to see your marriage safe, what are you willing to do? If you're willing to save your relationship, what are you willing to do? Kim and Kanye are talking about splitting $2.2 billion in their divorce. I would think it'd be a little bit cheaper to say, how about we spill like $2 million on like marriage counseling? I don't know. Let's try to figure this out. We could save a whole lot of money here. And, and we'll both come out ahead. And guess what will make great press? Because right now the media wants to sell this thing as divorce. But it's amazing what I see couples fight and end relationships about. It's, it's amazing. Ever since I've been the pastor of just seven years, I see couples and they'll t- talk to me what they fight and what they bicker about. And then I'll look at my own marriage, what I fight and bicker about. And I can see it. But yet they invested. Here's what's sad. Some of you are more consistent about investing into Costco Amazon Prime, Netflix, than you are in your own relationship. Let that sink in for a moment. Netflix, every month, gets a little bit from you. Costco, every year, gets you on that membership because you know you like that water and toilet paper. Amazon Prime, they get you every year. Your 100 bucks because they know you like it in under three days. You spend hundreds of dollars on subscriptions every year. Some of you are every month. Come on, how many got Spotify Premium? Hold up your hand. Come on, no judgment. Spotify Premium. Yeah, you don't like commercials. Yeah, that's $14.99. You say, I got a family plan. Okay, lucky you. Your parents pay for it. (laughs) 
But understand, you are okay with them taking it. And here's what's crazy. You've automated that. Why don't you automate your marriage? Automate with your mate. Cheesy, I know, but I want it to stick in your brain. You won't automate that every Friday is date night and we're going to go somewhere we look forward to, somewhere that we like to go to. Every whatever day, you have not automated to invest in that relationship. You have no problem giving to Costco, no problem giving to Amazon, no problem giving to all these other places. But yet you won't invest into the one person who means the most to you. The one person that when you step back, what they've done for you and how, how they've been with you through thick and thin, you're not willing to invest into that. It's sad. You see, life will take the best from you, and some of you are giving your family the rest of you. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest in my marriage. You say, Pastor, I would love to invest in my marriage, but I can't afford it. Let me tell you a story. Neither can I. Neither can I. So I have to get creative about how I invest in my marriage. You say, what do you do? You see, there's these little things called timeshare presentations. How many ever heard of the timeshare presentation? I won't ask how many of you bought a timeshare. But let's just say I like the people that bought the timeshare presentation because most of the time they don't like their timeshare. And I'll ask them, hey, where's your timeshare? And they're generous and they let me use their timeshare. I pay their points. And then when I get there, I like to go on these things called excursions. But I am broke. So guess what I do to go on excursions for free or at low cost? I go to timeshare presentations. I went to two last week. And I play a little game. You say, what's my little game? My little game is how fast can I get in and out of there? Because otherwise, you're like, no, that's 90 minutes of just like purgatory. There ain't no way. No, I have fun with them. I have a blast with them. Because I get in there and I'll tell my wife, I'll be like, time me. Let's see how fast we can get in and out and beat all the other couples. Because we ain't buying And they try to sell us on everything. And that's how I ride the bikes down the volcano. That's how I get to go scuba diving and and throwing up in the uh, Pacific. All that good stuff. You know, feeding the fishes, all of that. I don't pay for that because I'm I'm cheap. And this also shows how cheap I am. When we landed, I said to the wife, she's like, headed to Hertz. I was like, our rental car is not with Hertz. She's like, oh, Enterprise? It's not with Enterprise. She said, Avis? It's not with Avis. Our car's in the parking lot. She said, no, it's not. You didn't buy a car. I said, our car's in the parking lot. We rent it from Chemo. She said, who's Chemo? I don't know. I found him on the web. <laughs> Let's go find our car from Chemo. Yes, I kid you not. We went to our car from Chemo, and I hope that we had our shots updated. I'm telling this, I'm not afraid of the uh, COVID vaccine anymore. After you've ridden one of Co- uh, Chemo's cars, nothing scares you. <laughs> nothing scares you. The horn didn't work. The lights didn't work. The bumper had some duct tape on it. This is Chemo's Island, bro. This is how they roll. All right? Like straight up. Straight up. I look like a local, and the locals thought I was loco for driving in that car. Let's just say it like that. And it didn't work. I turned it on. It wouldn't turn on. And then so I call up Chemo. I say, Chemo, help me out, bro. I just landed. He pulls up in another car. He's like, I got a 2018 for you. I kid you not. He straight up told me this thing was from 2018. There was no way that this Nissan was from 2018. There's just no way. And then we're riding the back road to Hana. 
Any of you ever been to Maui, ride the back road to Hana? You haven't done it? Well, you guys, you should try it. It's a sketch road most of the time. There's no pavement, but there's a cliff on the right side. And my wife sees a cow. She's like, this is going to be great for the gram. Roll down your window. No problem, babe. I love you, babe. You're gorgeous. Rolling down the window for you, babe. Get, get it on the gram. And the window's going down. She's, I said, you get it? She's like, I got it. You're getting some likes? I'm getting some likes. All right, window's going up. Window's not going up, babe. I, babe, call chemo. <laughs> I kid you not. The window does not go up. And what do you think happens? It starts to rain. It's pouring, but it's not the kind of rain that comes straight down. No, this is the island rain, bro. It comes at the side, just hitting me. I'm driving, and near the back road to Hana, this is an eight-hour drive. There is no cell reception. And Jane, the whole time, you know that God gave her the gift of mercy, right? No, he did not. She is laughing at me the whole time as I'm like, chemo I am praying against chemo chemo can die I don't care because then I reach for the heater and the heater doesn't work I am freezing on the island and I hate this car there's these tight turns and I'm trying to the sign says hit the horn to let people know I'm hitting the horn the horn don't work and then you could peel back somebody done took out the airbag out of chemo's car i was like it's the only thing worth any money on this car anyway so i'm driving this car and i was like i hate every bit of this and jane's filming it and the gram you guys were liking it and loving it i hate you too and it was just like i couldn't believe it and then i get the timeshare presentation they said hey it's ten thousand dollars down i said bro do you see what I have parked in your parking lot? He said, yeah, never mind. Forget it. You're good. Go ahead. God bless you. Matter of fact, let me help you out, brother. <laughs> hey, here's the deal. I'm telling you, you can have a great time with your spouse and not have any money. Yeah, you might have to do some things that are cheap. Yeah, I, I don't care that I'm not walking to a Camaro on the island. Because I'm walking on the island. Why does it matter what I'm driving? But yet people in their mind think... Oh, man, you know, i got to have a wife, and she's got to dress like this. How about you just say, I just want a wife? Like, you know, like, let's start there. You know, I just want a man, you know. Like, let, we, we build it up in our minds, this thing we think, oh, I can't afford to invest. Yes, you can. Yes, you can plan great things. You can plan big things. It's going to take some investment. It's going to take some. You're going to have to, write this down, please. You're going to have to work for the wine. They had to do a little bit of work for the wine. They did. They had to pour out some water into those, and it's 20 to 30 gallons that they were hauling. And some of us, we just want, we just want a relationship that works like, and I know there's kids in the auditorium. We want, a, we want a relationship that works like adult entertainment. That's how we want our relationship. Just, just turn it on. It's just easy. It's no, no, I don't have to do anything. It just shows up. That's what we want. Why do you think that, that industry grows like it does? Because that's what we want in our relationships. We just want that person to just function as we want it just now. And we wonder why relationships are being destroyed. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to have to work for some wine. Yes, Jesus loves, he cares. God can renew the relationship. Jesus used what was available. But understand that there was an investment. But here's what I love about this. This is the best part. We're about to, we're about to land this plane. Remember how I told you that they would take the water that they used for purification, they would dump it into the empty water? And then Jesus says, now take some of that and give it to the master of the ceremony. Here's what's so fascinating. Jesus used the junky water and he put it in the jar 
He poured out of that jar that had the junky water, poured it into a cup, and said, now give it to the master of the ceremony. And then here's what's amazing what the master of the ceremony said. Let's read it. In verse number 10, let's go back. Verse number 10, I need you to see this. We're almost done. And he said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. I love that. Jesus saved the best for last. Jesus can take that junk and understand in the Bible days, wine was a symbol of joy. Their marriage had no joy. You say, my marriage has no joy. It just has junk. But Jesus transformed the junk into joy. And as they poured it out, it was the best wine that the master of the ceremony had ever tasted. Now, people recommend to me restaurants sometimes that have happy hour, and they're known for their mixed beverages. I don't drink, but I'll go because the food is cheap, because I'm cheap. And happy hour, everything's half off. And then I was eating the food this week. And somebody said, this place has really good food. Their pizzas, their flat, flat bread pizza. It's just a fancy word for pizza, okay? And this pizza tasted like Little Caesars. Matter of fact, I asked for the box and some ranch, and I'd rather eat that. It was not very good. And then an idea hit me. I know why people think this food tastes good. They've been drinking so much, their senses no longer work. So they think this food is good food. I feel bad for them. But that's not what happens in this story. This man is not so inebriated that this wine doesn't taste good. No. What Jesus did was take a relationship that had no joy, and then he took the junk that was in the jar, and that's what he did his miracle with. They didn't have any juice, but they had Jesus. And it was with that that Jesus said, I can fix this. So I don't know where your marriage is at, where the relationship is at, where the junk is, but Jesus loves to exchange the junk in your life for some joy. He loves to exchange. He loves to wash it out. He loves to take it. And everybody around you says, wow, man, your, your marriage just gets better and better. Why are you saved? Why does it seem like your marriage just gets better every year? Your marriage should every year taste sweeter. Every year should be more robust. Every year you should be more in love. Every year it should be a stronger bond. Every Every year it should be getting better and better because that's the picture that Jesus does with our relationships. He wants it to get better over time, not worse over time. But Satan's the exact opposite. Satan promises you pleasure but pays with pain. He promises you honor but gives you disgrace. He promises life but gives you death. It's only Jesus that as you follow his way, it just gets better in your life. You just, things just get sweet in your life. Jesus saves the best to last and it's totally different. I love this. Please write this down. Break the norms because normal's already broken. That's what the master of the ceremony was saying. You guys are breaking the norms. Everybody else gives the best wine first. You guys save the best. Why'd you save it? They broke the norm. Hey, normal marriage is broken today. Wouldn't you agree? When 50-50, it's a split. I mean, we used to have Brad and Jen. Then they split. We all cried. Then we had Brangelina. They split. We cried. And now it's Kim and Kanye. They're splitting we're crying, but somebody's going to get a good song out of it, you know. And it's one of those things where we're just looking at these relationships, and we're just thinking, wait a minute. I don't, I don't want a marriage like that. 
I don't want to see people in our church go through that. I feel a personal responsibility that when I open God's word and I teach it to you that it helps your marriage. I was praying on my knees today saying, God, help the marriages today. Help the people that are going to get married. Help the people who are dating to say, you know what, when we do finally get married, guess what? We're going to have a relationship like that. There's no reason for an empty cup in your marriage. There's no reason for no joy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Bible said in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Where's your joy this morning? So many marriages, there's no joy. Why do you think people don't want to get married nowadays? Because they see so many unhappy couples. Why do you think people want to experiment with things they know are outside of God's will and God's word? Because they're looking for joy. And if they don't see it in Christian relationships, where are they going to find it? Because churches are filled with empty cups. So break the norms because normal is broken. Say this is going to get better. My relationship is going to get better. I'm going to allow Jesus to make this thing sweeter. See, the world's joy will always and eventually run out. But Jesus, he gives us a promise. His promise is yes and amen. His promise is for you and your relationship. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. As you're standing, have you invited Jesus into your marriage, into your dating? into your relationship? Are you involved in your relationship? When was the last time you invested into your relationship? Ladies, if, if he's willing to work for you now, he'll work for you later. But if he's not willing to invest and work for you right now, he's not gonna change one day. He's got a track record. They say practice makes perfect. Practice makes permanent. But if he's not practicing now, it's not going to change. So who are you involved in your relationship? Marriage is a big deal. We want a church with strong marriages. We've got to invite Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking. You say, Pastor, would you pray for my marriage? Would you pray for my relationship? Would you pray for my future relationships? Is that you? Can I pray for you? I see hands up all over the room. Amen. 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 You put your hands down. Maybe you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus. And more important than inviting Jesus into your marriage is inviting Jesus into your heart. Is there anybody like that tonight? You say, tonight I want to give Jesus my heart. Is that you? Would you slip up a hand? Can I pray for you? Anybody like that? I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? I see that hand. God bless you. Amen. Hands up. Asking Jesus in their heart. Amen. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to open up the altars. And if you'd like to pray, you'd like to pray with your spouse, you'd like to come forward and kneel here and pray, or you'd like to kneel in your seat, that's fine too. Grace, Heavenly Father, you see the hearts, you see the hands, those that are saying, I want to invite Jesus into my life. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be open towards you. I pray that they would receive you. God, you accept them, but do they accept you? Lord, I pray for those. I pray for the marriages that are struggling. I pray for those that they have the, the hidden sorrows. They got the smile on the outside, but it's just success on the surface. It's not real. Father, I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that we would have strong relationships in this room. I pray that they would be the type of relationship that everybody else would say, I want that. I thank you for those that have marriages that have gone on for 10, 15, 20, and 30, and 40 years that we would have marriages that get better and better.
I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team is going to play, and as they play, I want to make an opportunity open for you to come and also pray. So right now, as we're standing, if you'd like to come to the altar, the altar is open for you. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.